0: waves britons never will be slaves james thompson part 1 the sentiment of empire 1837 to 1850 chapter 1 a charming invention in october 1837 the honorable emily eden a witty and accomplished englishwoman in her 41st year was accompanying her brother Lord Auckland, Governor-General of India, on an official progress up country from Calcutta. Lord Auckland was homesick, but his sister was irrepressibly entertained by everything she saw, and she recorded all her impressions in vivacious letters home. She was anything but innocent or provincial. She was born in Old Palace Yard within sight of Parliament at Westminster, and had lived always near the centre of English power. Her father had been postmaster-general and president of the Board of Trade, her eldest sister Eleanor had been the only true love of the younger Pitt, and she herself was an intimate friend of Lord Melbourne, the Prime Minister. She was accordingly amused rather than awed by the scale and grandeur of His Excellency's company. They travelled sometimes by steamer up the rivers, which were the principal highways of India, sometimes on camelback, in palanquins, or in elephant howders, and they did it with theatrical display. The gubernatorial caravan numbered some twelve thousand souls, with hundreds of animals and wagons, and when they stopped for the night a city of tents sprang up, bustling and teeming about Lord Auckland's quarters, with its own bazaars and workshops and stables, its farriers and its wheelwrights, its redcoat sentries, its aides and commissaries, its delegations of local magistrates or doctors or commanding officers, its gaudy emissaries from maharajas of the country, its rituals of presentation or official entertainment, its campfires, its hurrying orderlies, its myriad ragged camp followers, its bugle calls at dusk, its smells of spice and wood smoke and leather and sweat, all under the Union Jack on its great flagstaff beneath the terrific Indian sky. Sometimes it took three days for the cortege to cross a river the pet dogs of the Europeans wore red coats on the march. When the King of Aude kindly sent his own cook along to accompany the progress, and Lord Auckland was served a succession of highly spiced pilafs and curries, saint Cloud, the Governor-General's own chef, who had once been cook to the Prince of Orange, was predictably affronted. This was the manner of the British in India, where the East India Company had been active for nearly two hundred years, first as a trading organization, then as an instrument of supremacy. It was a half-Oriental manner, inherited from the Moguls, intended to overawe the Indigenes and perhaps give the company's officials a proper sense of their own authority. Miss Eden, who had been in India for two years and was accustomed to different styles of consequence, found it faintly comic. Her letters show no awareness of majesty. The Governor-General is, after all, only her diffident brother George, pining for a decent inn. His grand officials, advisers, and aides are only upper-middle-class Englishmen accompanied by gossipy wives, squirmy children, and ludicrously cosseted pets. Miss Eden is not moved by the power or the responsibility or even the historical continuity represented by their progress. She does not see that vast brown Indian landscape— those half-naked multitudes around them, as a charge upon the English conscience or a field for high adventure, she sees it all rather as a pageant, and thanks her sister Mary warmly for sending her the latest issues of Pickwick, which, though it has already appeared in a pirate edition in Calcutta, is fresh and very funny to the Governor-General's entourage. She sees it, in fact, with the eyes of the eighteenth century. She was born in the old century— and her attitudes are augustine, elegant, fastidious, entertained, urbane. Her England is the England of the younger Pitt. Her style is the style of Sheridan, Addison, and the cool, amusing ladies of the Age of Reason. But on October thirtieth, 1837, she learnt beside the Ganges that the Age was ended. The company, which was sailing upriver by barge and steamer, put ashore for the night in pleasant hilly country some two hundred miles north of Calcutta. They looked at some convenient ruins in the evening—very picturesque, Emily thought—gave the spaniel Chance a run, did a little sketching, and received letters from England. These had come by the steamer Madagascar, which had left London on her